Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're in a three-part series called Vision. We're looking at how to live the vision that God has given us, both in our own lives and as a church family. I want to welcome you back to a little three-part message series that we're kicking the new year off with entitled Vision. And I'm extremely excited about it for a couple of reasons because I believe that it can impact you personally as you begin to live a more intentional life. It's something that I find many times people struggle with is what to prioritize and what to value. And in your personal life, this message series can help give you more of a sense of focus. I'm also excited about it because we desire here at Milestone to be a family. Not a perfect group of people, but people from all backgrounds and races and different places and even geographical locations as we come together. But we wanna bring together all of this diversity into a place where we do have a sense of shared purpose, where we do prioritize some things because intimacy in life is a byproduct of shared purpose. And so we're talking about some things we care about in this season of time as well to continue to intensify our unity and the opportunity for others to belong and be a part of what God is doing. So we're talking about vision. I'm gonna ask you this week, if you would, to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I'm gonna be looking at verses 24 through 26. And I'm going to lean on Jesus, as I always love to do, because as I give you these priorities and we talk about it, some of you may wonder if that really should be the priority. And the good news is, I'm not giving you the priority. I'm not giving you the challenge. It's going to come from the red letters of the Bible. And we're gonna let Jesus tell us what we're supposed to really care about a lot. I want to welcome those that are watching online, maybe those who might watch this message later, as well as those at 1230 who are making room, making space for others as well. I always love to kind of give some kind of analogy or a thought or a little icebreaker, a way for us to get our minds around some of this as we go to the Word of God. And one of my favorite subjects and one of my favorite things in life, and one of those things that is my wife's favorite dessert is an area I thought I could help us a little bit this week, and I just thought I'd just, just, just kind of just mess you up right here a little bit and show you a picture of my wife's favorite dessert. It's bread pudding, but it's not your average bread pudding. It's not any bread pudding. It is the bread pudding made by the wife of our executive pastor, Jeff Peltier. Her name is Ginger. She is my personal bread pudding maker so you can't borrow her, you can't steal her, but it's a little behind the scenes. When we gather as a leadership team and we're praying for you and we're asking for vision and direction, we like to have this there because it just helps us. It helps God move. It helps the spirit begin to flow. It just helps things go better. It just goes better when this is present and, uh, and, and yet this is very unique. I asked her, I, would, I asked her, I said, would you take a picture of your bread pudding because I want to use it this weekend. So she took that slice out, she put it there, took a picture and gave me the rest. <laughs> and so I'm starting a new series on desserts for the next five weeks. I'll share, you'll give to the pastor your favorite dessert. Come on, this could work out really good. No, 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 it's, it's, it's really the reason you say, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? We're talking about vision. 
Um, and it's something that I use behind the scenes when I'm teaching in classes or I'm working with people or leading small groups for years or in our teams of leaders or pastors, I a lot of times say this and I say, just like a good dessert or bread pudding, and it's something we all can kind of relate to, it's a cool experience. I find when people are coming to Milestone, there's an intangible there's an experience, there's something you feel, there's a warmth, people call it friendliness, authenticity, and there's so many cool things God's doing. God's doing it through you. God's doing it through a commitment to certain things, and there's a sense of family, and we're touching teachers, and we're seeing young people reached, and we're helping people that are disadvantaged, and we're serving people in our community, and all that's great, and I a lot of times say this, I'm just giving you the backdrop, I say, isn't it a cool thing God's doing? Isn't it cool? But, 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 but I want you to know how to make the recipe. I don't want you just to eat it like I do with ginger. I just eat it. I just eat it. I don't know how to make it. Look, it's made in, a, in the right way. I know that. You don't want to throw the white chocolate in there. We don't care about the raisins. Those are, those are irrelevant. We just want that sauce. And when you heat that sauce up and put it on the bread, but here's the thing. If you don't have bread, you can't have bread pudding. Like if you take out certain ingredients, then it ceases to be authentic to what it actually is. And I talked to you last week about some of the recipe of some of the things some of you are experiencing. And I, and I showed it to you this way with a diagram. I, I want you to know how to cook the recipe. Some of you, again, might go, well, I just want to eat it. That's okay. There's people at different places. But I hope if I could inspire one of you, two of you, five of you, seven of you to learn how to make the recipe, the kingdom of God can move forward this weekend. Just, just, just a few can make a big difference. And so I started last week with this recipe that we all start out lost. I know in our cultural narrative today is we kind of basically think everyone is good and those people have never had a two-year-old. Come on now. No, we start off lost. We start off broken. We make some mistakes. No one had to teach you. We start off lost. We, we are lost and we are dead in trespasses and sins. That's what the Bible says. And so that's why Jesus said, I came in Luke 19. I came. Why did I come? I came to seek out and save that which is lost. Because we're lost, we need a Savior who can save us. So he comes in our lostness. Now, some of you are like, well, I, I've got Jesus. You know, I've got heaven. I, I, I prayed a prayer. I got my ticket. But did you know there are people who may kind of know about the eternity with Jesus, but they're lost in life. They're lost in purpose. They're lost in relationships. They're lost in the transitions that have moved them to different places. They're, they're, they're lost in their purpose. They're, they're lost. And so lost people need to be found. And when they're found, then they start taking next steps. And here we just give you some of the practicals that we do that we're still excited about. We're really excited that, that, that we help people take steps through a thing called our growth track, which is just a way to get people in relationships and get people around the word and get them taking off in their walk with God so they can get some traction and small groups and serve team. And then ultimately what we hope really happens is that you no longer just kind of attend Christianity, but you find family. And you have relationships, and when you're down and out, there's people to pray with you, and there's people to encourage you, and there's the people there to celebrate with you, and, and that's how life is meant to be lived in the kingdom of God. And then I know there are some of you who are go, now tell me, tell me, is there more, Pastor? I know that's what you're asking. Come on, any more people out there? Okay, three of you, all right. 
I'm a more person. I'm a like, tell me it all, man. I want to know it all. I, I want to know the recipe. I want to know the sauce. I want to know how you make it. I want to eat it, make it. I want to be in it. And if you're that way, here's how you really get in it. Not just you are lost and are found and take steps, but you go back and you help a lost person take a step. Oh, now, I warn you, proceed at your own risk. This will mess you up. When you don't just attend church just for what you can get out of the message, but you're listening to the message through the lens of the person you care about, and you're going, now, I needed that because I'm not exempt because I'm still growing, but I, I hope they got that. Like, like you bring that person along and you start caring about that other person and you help that person take steps and when you find someone else who takes steps and finds family, man, it's, it, it's incredibly rewarding along the way. And so I gave you that recipe last week. I wanna hone in very practically this week as we go to the book of Matthew and we see what Jesus prioritizes, I wanna talk about these next steps. I wanna talk about this life with Jesus that takes next steps, and the Bible defines that as disciples. That's the Bible word, and I'm gonna explain it to you, and we're gonna ask the question, what is a disciple? And we're gonna talk about it, and I tell you, I'm, I'm still excited about it. I'm excited about the word, I'm excited about the recipe, I'm excited about the concept of it, and man, after many, many years of doing it, man, I'm gonna tell you, it's, it's where it's at. It's where it's at, I'm telling you. I preached this message at our Saturday night service and walked out and I was shaking hands with people and up came this couple, Tim and Judy. I've been their pastor since I was 23 years old. They came out, they said, man, that was a powerful message. There was a lady beside us, hasn't been a milestone. And she was, she was sitting there and she said, man, that was so good. I've never heard some of that stuff. And she goes, well, he's been preaching it for 20 plus years. I mean, he just kind of recycles it. I was like, Judy, don't steal my thunder, you know? I got this on sabbatical, you know what I'm saying? Got to keep the main thing the main thing if you want traction in life. If you want to eat Jesus' pudding, you can't take the bread out if you want his. Say, is that true? Well, let's look at the Bible. No better place to go. Matthew 16, Jesus is in a normal place where Jesus finds himself when you study Jesus. And I, I got to be honest with you. Jesus, there's parts of what Jesus does that I'm like, I get that. Then there's parts of Jesus' strategy sometimes that I'm having trouble understanding sometimes. But after years of walking with Jesus, it makes more sense. But the first time you're confronted with it or exposed to it, it's like, man, is that really the best way, Jesus? And I'm gonna tell you, it makes sense to me that Jesus finds the disenfranchised, the one on the outside. He would always go to the one. That, that makes sense. And he would love them and the woman at the well and people caught in sin. And even though he would find them and love them and serve them and respond to them when the rest of culture says they don't matter because people matter to Jesus, he would still give them next steps. And then Jesus would come along and he would be preaching and teaching and ministering and people are getting healed and crowds would come and then Jesus was consistently kind of like going to the crowd and challenging the crowd. Like he, it's like he would even tell people, don't tell anybody. I'm like, wait a minute, Jesus, isn't the goal to get more people? Why would you tell people not to tell people? In John 6, he would go to the crowd and say, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. 
They thought he's talking about cannibalism or something. It's like, whoa, and it says many would withdraw from him, and even the disciples were wondering, should we withdraw? And then they kind of came to the conclusion, where else are we going to go? Jesus was consistently going to the crowd, calling them from the crowd to be a disciple. Some of you are like, what's a disciple? Well, it's, and when you think about disciple, if you're just now listening to this, you're thinking it's the people in the Sunday school pictures, you know, the, the Bible people, you know, like that's Jesus's disciples. And yes, the Bible talks about Jesus's disciples and Jesus had his disciples and they were the original disciples, but he was still making available to any and all until he returns the opportunity to be his disciple. So he would call to the crowd and he would call on them because Jesus' kingdom would move forward not on the basis of the fickleness of the crowd, but by the availability of disciples. The availability of disciples is the only way that it works. And so Jesus is talking about he will build his church and the gates of hell in this chapter. Gates of hell will not prevail and he's talking about all the stuff he's gonna do. I love it when Jesus in the Bible is telling me about all the stuff he's gonna do. He's going to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, you went to the cross. He's gonna endure the persecution. He's gonna endure the shame. He's going to build his church. Aren't you glad when you can just say, Jesus, will you do your Jesus thing? With your Jesus powers, Jesus, you do your Jesus stuff. I hear people all the time, I gave Jesus my job. Cool, I gave Jesus my kids, especially this week, because they're acting like hellions. He can have them. I just give it to Jesus. It's always tough when Jesus says, now here's what I'm giving you. Here's what I'm giving you in this deal, and this is one of those, here's what I'm giving you. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Forever, and then he expounds on this whole idea, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul, the deepest part of who they are, when they don't see the value of what I'm offering them, they'll forfeit who they're really created to be, who they're designed to be, their soul will begin to decay, forfeit their soul, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Notice Jesus is saying this, when you hear that, maybe you've heard a pastor said you have to deny yourself, you immediately start thinking, wow, this is this, and and there is an, it is involved that you have to then make some sacrificial commitments and you have to let go of some things, But Jesus is painting the picture that don't just see it as what you're getting rid of, but you're making an exchange. You're making an exchange for something more valuable. I don't know if you've been in that place, I know if you've been a parent you have, or maybe you've been an older brother, an older sibling, or maybe you're a manager of new employees into your company, and you're trying to convince them this looks sacrificial, but I promise you it's going to be better in the end. It's much better. You think you're paying a high price, and we hate to pay a high price for something that's not valuable, but we never mind ultimately paying the price for something that is more valuable. And you're trying to share with them. I've done it with my own children, learning to ride a bike. You wanna ride a bike. You don't wanna be made fun of by your friends. You don't wanna be left out of the bike riding party, but there's always a moment in the bike riding endeavor, come on, where there's a moment where the meltdown happens. 
Fear comes in and it's like, and then it's just like, ah, quit. Swimming lessons. Your kids could not know how to swim because they're gonna be in a moment in there. I can't do it. Ah. Potty training. With the help of my wife, we've done it four times. Now I have a manual on it. My role is Skittles, music, persuasion. Have a special seat called Mickey. Sit on Mickey. Get Skittle. Don't poo 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 in your pants. Doesn't go well. This is the better way. That's how we are with God. He's like, no, 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 no. I know it doesn't look like I know what I'm doing. I know it doesn't look rational. I know it may not fit culturally, but look, I know what I'm doing. It'll be so much better on the other side of what I'm trying to tell you. You say, man, I don't know about all that. Disciple, be a disciple? What is that? Like, that seems like some kind of elite special forces. These disciples were not perfect and Jesus is not calling us into a place where we don't have struggles along the way. He's calling us into this. You say, can you just sum it up for me? A disciple is a person who consistently says yes to Jesus. That's what a disciple is. When they understand that this is something Jesus values, when they understand this is a priority of Jesus, then they are the people who say yes. They say yes. Now, we all know when we've been influenced by this with Jesus' strategy. We all know when we've been influenced. I'll be, I'll be honest with you again. If I were Jesus, I would do it different. Jesus, he's in heaven, he's powerful. He, he could just come down, you know, like Netflix, you know, just like in the sky. He, he didn't have to say, I need you to be a disciple and then I need you to participate in the process. He didn't have to do it that way. It'd be like the Hunger Games, you know, message, just show up, there he is. The whole world, turn or burn. You know, you could just, just, just message it to us. But instead, he chose this process of people becoming disciples, people living outside of themselves, people denying themselves, making the exchange, and then we've all experienced someone else embracing that in their lives. We're all a byproduct. If you're anywhere in your relationship with God, it's because someone ahead of you said yes to Jesus. Someone ahead of you said yes to Jesus. Someone ahead of you said, I'm gonna deny myself. I had that experience recently, this week, I shot a video for the church that I grew up in, in Northeast Texas. They're celebrating their 100th year anniversary. They wanted me to come and speak at it, and yet I have our services here, it's on a Saturday night, and I told them I can, I'm speaking here, and so I shot a video to them. And I looked in that camera, and I hope they can feel the emotion I had behind it, and I thanked every single Sunday school teacher who poured the word of God into me. They're so excited about what God's doing with us. It's not about me. Every Sunday school teacher that poured in the word of God, every single person that gave, every single person that prioritized making disciples. See, I was just a normal, everyday kid from a normal family in Northeast Texas that grew up in the country. But somebody helped me learn how to say yes. 
Somebody helped me learn what a disciple is. Somebody poured into me, and I think about my pastor. I did his funeral a few years ago, and he would invite me into his home. He would invite me into his home when I was a teenager. And I mean, he had kids running around and his wife's making spaghetti and it was like he had a lot going on and he brought me into his home and he poured the word of God into me and he knew I had a call in my life and he, and he invested in me. And some people today are like, we gotta get the material right. We gotta get all this stuff. I don't know enough. I don't even remember the material. I don't remember what we were even talking about because it was more than information. It was an impartation of the Jesus in him to me. That's what it was. And he poured what he had into me and it was part of my story and it helped me say yes to Jesus because he said yes to Jesus. And I'm just talking about my story, but every time we engage with that, it makes an impact. You say, wow, I'm ready to say yes how do we get a vision for discipleship? Number one, we need to know what it is. What is a disciple? We have this idea, again, that's an elite Christian. It's a person that knows everything, has all of everything that's ever been discussed in Christianity in their brain, in fact, and can argue it, debate it. Quite honestly, I know people that have lots of information that are not good disciples. So if information alone could make you a great disciple, teachers, as we're celebrating you, Yes, the information is important, but the impartation of learning is what you're trying to impart. The impartation of learning, and you say, what is a disciple? According to scripture, the original language, it's this idea of a learner, a curious, a yes per person who's saying yes, a person who's moving along that's what it is in scripture. It has this apprentice feel. It's hard for us in our Western mindset to read this third world book. And learning was more than he who knows the most. It was more than information. It was modeling involved and there was this desire to grow. And if you're gonna learn how to cook the bread pudding, you need the recipe, you need the information, but the best way too is to cook it with somebody who knows how to cook it. So there's this kind of apprenticeship model and a disciple is a person who says yes. It's just a person who says yes. See, we like yes better than no. We like yes better than no. When my kids, they're coming, my eight-year-old man, when she gets on something, boy, she'll drive you crazy. Can we go? Can we go to this? Can we this? Can I go to the sleepover? Okay, dad, you're not listening. Oh, mom, can we go? Can we go? Mom, can we? Come on, anybody got kids that could be professional salesmen? And if you turn and just go, yes, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 I got it, yes. When you've been working on that deal for six months, it's a big deal, you put a lot of work into it, and you hear yes. Yes, you got the job. You love it when she says yes to the dress. You love it if she says yes when you get on your knee, not no, come on. <laughs> Will you say yes, no? Oh, my God. <laughs> Rejection. Have you ever thought about how God responds to our yeses? I'm not trying to over-personify God or make him a human being. We are created in his image though. And he's fully sufficient and secure outside of our responses. But see, because I have a personal connection to God, I think sometimes about how does he relate to my yes? When he goes, I know this is better. I know this is better. And I say yes, and he goes, I think it gives him pleasure, according to scripture. You're trusting me, I like that. I like that. You're trusting me. You say, okay, 
It's one who says yes. Look what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 1, 17 through 20. Was I fickle? Was I fickle, Paul says, when I intended to do this? He says, look, I'm not a fickle person. I'm a person of intentionality. When I intended to do this, or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. Notice what Paul's doing here. He's talking about a posture of life where you live with intentionality and he's relying on the faithfulness of his life toward them, the faithfulness of God and even Jesus Christ's willingness to say yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Have you ever wondered why people say amen in church? Y'all got a little, I got an amen corner up in the 11 o'clock. Let me tell you something. Saturday night, they're tired from the day. They never say amen. They're like, ah. 9.15, let's just, they're well put together people. They got up early and they just sit there and they go, good. I give it a 10, I give it a five. You're a little more rowdy. Come on, come on. People say amen, not because it's like the preacher just needs amen, they're saying amen. You say, why do they say amen? Amen is I agree with that, not subjectively or theoretically. It's so true that it's really true and true enough for all of us to live it. And so, can you say amen to the word of God? You can always say amen to the word of God when you're saying yes to Jesus. When you're saying yes to Jesus. You say, what do we need to say yes to? Well, three things real quick, number one, a disciple always says yes to the authority of the word. A disciple is always saying yes to, that's where you start in your discipleship process. You say yes to Jesus and Jesus is the living word so you're saying yes to the authority of the word of God and this is a big deal, I need you to hear me. This is a big deal in today's world. If you're in that lost place, you don't have to stay lost. You don't have to stay lost but when Jesus finds you, then you now have a new Lord, you have a new master, and you come under the authority of that lordship, under the authority of his word. And so we come under the authority of it. The enemy's strategy is to deceive you, to kill you, and to destroy your life. The enemy's strategy is to get you into cultural persuasion or cultural opinion that leads you down the wrong path, but Jesus' strategy is to tell you what really matters and what really works and to give you the truth that'll set you free, that's what Jesus always wants to do. And that comes under the authority of the word of God. And then what happens is your life starts aligning with that. When you say yes to the word, your life starts aligning, even when it doesn't make sense sometimes, your life aligns with the word. And some of you are like, why is this important? Can I encourage you to? This is not theoretical just for your own life, because remember, this is an impartation. This is your kid's life. You want your kids to be disciples of the word. Well, you're modeling your behavior toward Jesus regarding the word. 
This will affect your employees, your relationships, your friendships, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your cousins, because if the word doesn't work in your life, then they will not trust the word to work in their life. And that's why you have to submit to the authority of that word. You submit to it, and then your life starts aligning to it. And then here's what happens, you start seeing it work. It starts working, there's evidence of that commitment. So it's like, man, my wife responded differently to me. It's amazing how that works when you do it the Word's way, when you love her like Christ loves the church. Man, I'm seeing a difference in my posture when I handle my money God's way, when I handle my relationships God's way, I start seeing the evidence of it. You may be, and Jesus says in John 15, another discipleship section, he talks about abiding in him, abiding in the word, abiding in the truth, being connected to the vine, without him you can do nothing, and he says this, that you will bear fruit and prove you're my disciples. So if the fruit of the word's not coming out of your life, you need to investigate if you are a disciple of Jesus. It's not that you're perfect in every area, but you're getting traction. And find the area that you're scared of the most and say yes to it. Say yes to it and you'll get breakthrough, not only in your life, but in the people you care about's life because the word works and the word works every single time. And so what happens is you start having this fruit. Let me give it to you this way. You may be a tree expert and you could just roll up and look at some tree and you can tell by the bark and you can tell by the way it's planted or something and you'd be like, that's an orange tree. Some of you may be experts enough to do that. If it doesn't have any oranges on it, it's just there. Just as leaves, you may be able to tell that's an orange tree, but for the average people out there, the way we know it's an orange tree is if we show up and there's something hanging on it that looks orange. We're like, that's an orange tree. If there's pecans, it's a pecan tree, so I know what it is because of what it's producing. Same way it is in our lives. Man, we just start out lost. And then we, Jesus saves us. And then we start putting ourselves under the authority of the word and we start getting traction and it's just like boop, fruit and you prove you're my disciples by the fruit that starts coming out of your life. Here's the third thing disciples say yes to. A disciple says yes to making disciples because orange trees make oranges Dogs make dogs, cats make cats, unfortunately. (laughs) We reproduce after our own kind. So when you become a disciple, guess what you do? You start imparting the characteristics of a disciple to those around you. Disciples say yes to making disciples. Jesus came to them, this is his final address. This is his final statement. This is what he says I need you to focus on. This is what I need you to have a vision for. This is what I need you to prioritize. Again, not me, this is Jesus. This is what Jesus says is important. Came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have the authority to make this statement. I have the authority to realign your values. I have the authority to set your structure. I have the authority to set your priority because I have all the authority. Therefore, go. 
Go really better translated as you are going. And as you are going, here's what I need you to focus on. I call this sometimes even a seed. The seed of that, I'm praying for some of you listening to me. The seed of that phrase from Jesus, man, when it gets in your heart, it changes you. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do we have this tank over here to my left full of water? If you think about it, it's kind of weird. We put people in there. We have microphones on. And we dunk them under the water. We put them under till they bubble and come up saying, tie them together we build. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why do we dunk folk? Jesus has all the authority, he said, go around and do that. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and now I know you feel like this is too much. I know you feel like you don't have the equipment. I know you feel like that's not even possible for me. He's not talking to me. I'm not able to do that. He said, I'll be with you. Surely I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm not basing my whole strategy on your strength. I've got the ability. I've got the ability. And I, I want you to know, if you take that and you, and you make it part of your life, I wanna say it again, it changes your parenting, it changes the way you relate. Teachers, I know you have some constraints, but even coaches and teachers, we see this. Some of this, like, you're, you're like let's, there, there is a very clear directive spiritually here. But it's just, it, it's, it's power in life. I was watching the Hall of Fame of the NFL speeches last weekend. My older kids were in there. They're like getting tired of the, 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 the speeches, you know. These are not public speakers, most of them. And you know, they get this time and it's forever and you know, they, they sound like preachers, you know. I'm about to close and then 30 minutes later they're still talking, but anyway. But I don't want you to get trapped on the football side just because I like football, but I, I want you to think about the Hall of Fame of life. You know what I believe the Hall of Fame of life is comparative to why I get emotional watching those speeches because they start talking about all the people in their life that have deposited truths that have helped develop their potential. It's inspiring to me because I think that's a Hall of Fame life. A Hall of Fame life is one who denies themselves, picks up the cross of Jesus' purpose and follows him. And I listened to that, and I think about Ty Law. He had tears coming underneath his sunglasses, and he had two roses on the chairs in the front, and he began to get emotional as he talked about, yes, I'm in the Hall of Fame, but my grandfather, my grandfather drove me to those practices. My grandfather poured potential into me, and I know my grandfather's watching right now, and I get stirred up about it because Jesus' model really is in play there. It's Jesus' model of making disciples. I wanna encourage you with something because some of you are, you're just thinking, man, I think I might try this. I wanna help you so that you don't get tripped up when you get in the journey, and I wanna encourage some of you that have been on the journey because I find this is what happened. You have we, this is what happens. You have we or me, and then Jesus said make. And we're headed that way, but here's what happens. We start feeling inadequate. We start dealing with challenges. And here's what I find, that the way you start overcoming your inadequacy, let's just take scriptural knowledge, which I think is the number one thing people resist, is they go, I'm not, I don't know enough. I wanna encourage you with this. The greatest way to learn the Bible is to disciple your children in the Bible. 
When you start, just, just start reading in John, and they'll be like, why is that the case? And you'll be like, I don't know, Jesus said so. <laughs> and you know, what about this, and what about that? And you know, you start walking it out, you, you overcome the inadequacy by being in the game. You're not ever gonna learn to play the game in the stands. You gotta get on the field. You gotta get in the game, so you have the feelings of inadequacy, we have busyness. I want everybody to smile at me right now. Even on the other side of the camera, I can feel your smile. Busyness, if we're too busy to make, we're too busy. Because Jesus said it's a priority. Personal challenges, I think, are one of the big ones. We start having personal challenges, a problem with this, a circumstance with that, and then the enemy gets us to move away from being a disciple and pouring into others, it's just what happens. I've had it happen to me. Personal things can, man, just kind of cause you to pull back. I was talking to one of the young ladies in our church, a single young lady in our church who God's done a lot here, and I was telling her about my message this week. We were sitting in a team meeting, and I just mentioned to her, here's what I'm talking about, and she said, well, here's what happened to me the other day. I started having some personal challenges, so there's a person in our church who's kind of a mentor and person in my life, and so I called her, and I said, here's, I'm going through some challenges, and what do you think? She said, join me in leading a freedom group. That's so counterintuitive. In our world today is, if I had five more messages and seven more podcasts and three more books and five more pieces of information and a YouTube video, then I'd be better off. She said, join me in leading a freedom group. I said, well, what'd you learn? She said, I kinda got over my personal stuff because I realized there's a lot more messed up people than me. Come on now. <laughs> Deny yourself. Get outside yourself higher values on other things, but what can happen is those detours, can I encourage you if you've taken a detour to get back on track? Get back on track. It's a great exchange. You say, well, how do we do that here at Milestone? Here's, here's our simple strategy, weekend services, growth track. Weekend services are awesome. Why do we come to weekend services? Get built up, get encouraged, remember our priorities, love one another. Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together that we might spur one another on to good works. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Grow track's a great thing because it, it's a catalyst to jumpstart the discipleship process. You get in some groups, you get started, you get around people that start helping you start growing. Small groups, why do we have small groups? Because if we're fishers of people and we're just making disciples, then we need a boat, we need an atmosphere, we learn better together, we grow better together, we need people in our lives, you need people praying for you when you go into those business deals, you need trusted voices to go to. I, again, I'm not against podcasts, but your podcast is not gonna pastor you. Your family are the ones that stand with you. It's not about just creative ways to give information. It's about living the stuff. And so what happens is through those relationships in those groups, you start walking it out and start growing together. Serve team is where we serve others. And I know you know, I'm, I appreciate any strategy to advance the kingdom. My only problem is a lot of times people come and say, well, you need to do this, we need to do this. Well, we're into this. You know why we're into this? Because our goal is to make a disciple, not just have activity. Our goal is to develop you so that you can learn how to walk out your faith and you can reproduce what God's put in you so you can make the exchange that Jesus is talking about. I wanna ask you just to bow your heads with me. I wanna pray for some of you who are just contemplating that decision of lostness that you need to just say, Jesus, 
I don't want to be lost anymore. And I want you to be my savior. Come into my life. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. Make it your words. Become my Jesus. And Jesus will come in and save you. I'm going to ask you to let us know if you made that decision so that we can help you grow. Come forward at the end of the service. Engage with the Grow Track so we can help you start taking your spiritual next steps and become part of family. But Lord, I pray for all of us, including me. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us. We drift so far from what you painted as the target. We're sheep. We, we get kind of off base. Help us, Lord, to value what you value. Prioritize what you prioritize. Burn for what you burn for. Live for what you say is important. And I pray right now, Lord, if anyone listening to me, even someone maybe later hears this, I pray if it's one. If it's one person who steps out of the crowd to become a disciple, we need that one person to advance your kingdom. The crowd will always have needs, but the crowd can't help the crowd. It's disciples that make the difference. We wanna be your disciples today, Jesus. Burn it in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.